Welcome to today's episode of the Baco Sports Report on the Live from Lake Balfour Podcast Network. In today's episode, we will be doing the first ever Senior Leagues Mock Draft. We will be breaking down what is on tab for this summer's 2020 Senior Basketball Leagues Draft with three of the elite players in the league. Eli Greenberger, who is going to be the number one pick in our mock draft. Noodle, who's going to be the number two pick. And Leo Hoffman, who's going to be the number four pick. So let's bring them in and see what their thoughts are. Guys, it's been a while. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you, Maddie? Doing good. You know, getting ready for camp. We're talking about Baco basketball here, so that's always a more fun thing to talk about than what's going on in our country right now. So I think let's get right into it. So our first pick, this is a pretty big layup for me making this mock draft, is Eli Greenberger. So Eli, I want to start with this. When you look at this season, because last year you were clearly established yourself as the second best player in the league behind Glatzer, but now you're the guy, you're the focal point of this league, and there's going to be a lot different pressure on you and an expectation that you're going to come through and win the league. So how has your mindset changed year to year now being the number one overall pick and the guy expected to carry his team? Um, I mean, I'm obviously excited to get to camp and you know start leagues, and I'm, I'm honored that you chose me as your number one pick for your mock draft. But uh, definitely last year, I was seen more as like mid first round, maybe late first round, and I definitely surprised a couple of people making it to the finals of senior leagues. I'm looking to do the same this year. Well, I think that it was pretty clear just a couple weeks into the summer that you were going to be the second best player in camp, and by a pretty wide margin, you compared to the rest of the field behind you and Glatzer. So I think at this point, you're clearly expected to be the guy, the best player in camp, but in terms of now, obviously, when you were a mid-first-round pick last year, you were able to get other talent on your team. You had your cousin Jacob with you on the team. But this year, it's going to be much tougher when you have less of a supporting cast just by virtue of being first overall. So how are you going to try to adjust your game to fit what your team has, which is going to be less depth? Uh, I'm, I'm just looking to do as much as I can on the court, you know, getting as many guys involved as I can, you know, putting the ball in the basket, rebounding, playing defense, trying to do everything. Because, you know, obviously, maybe the supporting cast won't be as good, but, uh, you know, teammates are obviously, you can't play one on five, so. Yeah, agreed. So, that pick was definitely easy, I think, to start it off, a no-brainer. So, I think you're clearly in a tier of your own, Eli, in terms of when I was compiling this mock draft. I would say the next three guys on this list could all be put in similar orders, but I went here with Noodle at number two, mainly because I just think that there's no one who can match his size in the league. So, Noodle, why don't you talk about the fact that now that Glatzer's out of the league and a lot of the guys my age who were also pretty physical players, now you're clearly going to be the most physically dominant player in the league. So how are you going to be adjusting for that, especially now being a top pick and having to essentially carry your team using your size and physicality? Yeah, so the biggest thing with that is, like, in previous years, even playing in senior years, two years ago, like, having guys like FEMA, like, they're no more big physical guys to rough up the younger kids. Like, I have to be that big physical guy to rough up the younger kids and be the strong force inside, you know? And on top of that, just, like, continuing to score enough to propel your team to lead games. And that's kind of the biggest thing where I haven't done enough in the past years. That's something I'm definitely focusing on for leagues to 
score enough to where we're able to keep on stacking wins. So as someone who had to compile this mock draft and think about what other players to put alongside, you guys, from your perspective, Noodle, as someone who's probably going to be playing in the inside, but you also showed, I think, last summer a kind of a mid-range game that we hadn't seen before. So what kinds of players do you look for to fill out your roster that you think could best correspond with you who's someone who's going to be playing inside and physical? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I can also do more than just kind of like post up down low. You, yeah. you see me at home. Uh, me and Maddie live in the same town, if you guys didn't know that. But, um, like, Matt, Maddie see me play home. I, like, I can do more than kind of just stay Of course, yeah. I want, have, I want to have shooters with me so I can pass out for open looks. I, I want to have some fun. I also don't want to have to dribble the entire time. That's not my strong suit. So having another guard with me, a strong guard, is definitely something that I would hope for. Agreed, and I think that we'll maybe see that later on in the mock draft as we keep going. So let's move on now to number three. At three, I have Avi Pellet. So this was a tough one for me between Avi and you, Leo, but I ultimately went with Avi. Now, obviously, we didn't get to see him for the entire year last summer because of that injury that forced him to be out for the remainder of camp. He was on Chuck's team, and he showed a lot of scoring, versatility, and upside as a shooter and creator. So... What leads you guys to think that he'd be deserving of this third spot? And what do you guys look from him in terms of the impact he can make on this league as really a scorer? I mean, well, I've always seen it. Like, with us, he stepped up in tournaments and had huge shots. He's so smooth and knows how to knock down. And you like that, you're going to inhale, Sad. Uh, I just think Avi has, like, every aspect of, of basketball on his side. He's, he's long, he's athletic, he can shoot the ball, he's a great ball handler, great defender, he just has it all. I feel like I feel like he hasn't even reached where he can go. I mean, totally. he is a big summer ahead of him, and I can't wait to be on the same team as him uh, this year. Just kill it. Yeah, well, what I was going to say is I feel like at number three, you're getting a player who's, I wouldn't, I don't want to say like high risk, high reward, but it kind of feels like he could take a step forward. He has a lot of untapped potential that we've seen so far in terms of his ability to just shoot and create shots and kind of like get to his spot on the court. I feel like he could emerge as like way better and making this pick at number three feel like a steal if he can potentially reach his potential at like the highest level he can go. Yeah, he's dominant. Like, in, I remember even our, like, 13s, he had, we had, like, 28 points to the team. He had, like, 20 of those points. He was unbelievable. Like, he, he knows how to step up, and in big games, he can't, he always shows up. That's I feel it. like he's a mini Kevin Durant in most, in, <laughs> in a way. He's so long, and he can create his own shot. He has a smooth stroke. Yeah, and, really smooth. And he can, and he can play down low a little bit, which is, yeah. He's extremely versatile. Well, I feel like if he can really go up a level and reach the potential, like, we've, you're right, we've seen a lot of glimpses, whether it be in tournaments or just in leagues last year when he was playing alongside Chuck. There's a lot of glimpses, but, like, if he can put that together over an entire league schedule, like, that you're talking about a player who can potentially lead his team, like, be the dominant player and contend for the league title. Totally. All right, so number four here. We have uh, Leo Hoffman. So, Leo, you at number four, I think your play in leagues is going to be interesting because your role is really clearly defined when you guys are going to play intercamps. Like, when you're going to go to 16s this summer, we know you're going to be, like, the 
Pitbull defender and you're going to be like that burst of athleticism and being able to be that ball handler pushing the ball and last year you were huge in 16s but I think in leagues it's going to be interesting for you to be the primary playmaker and the primary scorer on your team by virtue of being the fourth pick so how are you going to try to adjust your game and be more effective in leagues and be able to tailor your game so that you can be the best player you can in leagues well I think everything that's there in intercamps and in uh, tournaments will definitely be there. Definitely. But I think I think I have to do a much better job of taking efficient shots, um, getting my teammates involved, and 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 being the primary ball handler, which I haven't which I haven't done in a while. But I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you also brought this up to me before when we um, were in recording but um you mentioned the thought of having how a valuable player like leo is because kind of outside of me and eli all the other kind of like elite level players are guards and yeah leo take that player out of the game yeah that's so that's what i was thinking so i was really debating for those of you back home my three and four spots i put a lot of thought into avi versus leo and it was a tough decision because it's like leo you're the type of player who's so athletic and you really can take out someone like avi or someone else like down the list and JFD or Ruben, like as we get farther down the list, you'll see there's a lot, this league is deep on guards and there's not as many players like you guys, Noodle and Eli, who have so much size that you can really be such an effective defender. So I think where it's, you're clearly going to be the most elite defender on the perimeter in this league. But the question for you is if you can unlock that scoring potential on the offensive end and use that athleticism, that you're gonna be scary in leagues. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the, one of the most important things for me is to take efficient shots and use my teammates to the best of my ability. Agreed. So I think, um, yeah, like, keep I'm going. A lot of that defense on Leo. Like, I think that's what the Waiters Counselors last year tried to do with Potters and Teddy and Sam and try to get like a tough team with Leo, and it just ultimately didn't work out. But I like that strategy of like how to build that type of team. Last yeah. year, I was kind of. Tossed around a little bit in leagues, being traded to uh, Aiden Rab and um, and Leo Elkins team for Justin Rubin and a couple other guys. And there was I thought there was a lot of potential on the team. We ended up facing Glatzer in the semis. And you know how that went. But. Yeah, that definitely ended. But listen, Glasser's not in the league anymore. It's a wide-open league, in my opinion, and I think that's definitely going to be interesting. So number five on this list here, I put down Beef Stew. So Beef Stew is a fast riser. On the podcast, he won our Most Improved Player Award for the summer last year um, in our end-of-season podcast. And I think that... It's so interesting to see his rise because at the beginning of last season, he was a kid who is now going to be in the senior upper senior division. He wasn't even in this league at the start. Like, he was not being drafted. Like, he was like an afterthought, maybe like a role player, a glue guy on 14s. But he wasn't, like, thought of as, like, the big-time guy. But all of a sudden, throughout the summer, it just became abundantly clear, whether that be in inner camps or in leagues or Olympics, when he had the now almost, like, it's like a folktale, that 40-point game in leagues. It's like the type of thing where, like, probably only 10 or 15 people were actually there. But, like, if you talked about it, like, you would think there was, like, 70 people watching. But that game is just, like, famous now. And I think that speaks to – he's just the type of guy you want on your team, right? Yeah, 
Totally. Eli, what about um, with you? You've played with him like when you're playing with the younger kids. I mean, I, when he when you we were younger, like 11 and 12, he didn't, as you said, Matt, he didn't really have the biggest role on, on a lot of those teams. He was more just like a rebounder, a defender, make open shots. But last time he really took a step forward, and I got a chance to play against him in our senior league semifinal game because he was filling in for and I thought he actually did a great job, like putting the ball in the basket and filling in for Avi. And that team was really hard to beat. Uh, yeah, he also did a great job guarding me. And you know, the fact that he's a lefty, obviously, a lot of times makes crowds tougher to guard because you're not ready for uh, all the moves that they have going left and stuff. So, yeah, no, that's even something. That's like something in like the real world, like when you're guarding a lefty, like that's not like different. But, like a camp, it always like throws you off. Right, well, I think that it's interesting because, like, it's almost like he went from being, like, Draymond Green, like, even in leagues, not forget about intercamps, but, like, he was, like, a Draymond Green type, and all of a sudden, like, now he's, like, a legit first option, like, scorer, and that rise, I think, is so interesting, and he's just, like, a physical type of player, where you have to think about the fact that when Avi went down last year, the replacements for him, because Chuck's team had lost one of their best players, was going to be Beef Stew and Hillman, and I remember, like, everyone being like, oh, like, that's not fair, they didn't get enough for Avi, like, he's way better, but then, by the end of the season, it was almost like, would you rather have Beef and Hillman as opposed to Avi, and it was like a question, and the fact that that was even a question is a credit to the way Beef's able to play, kind of just his infectious energy on the court. I was actually at, I actually watched Beef's sports point uh, game last summer. Oh, you were actually there. Yeah, and, and all I remember was, I remember in the first half, he played really well, and he was shooting so efficiently that it was like, wait, is he, wait, is he going to go for 40? Like, it was a question. And and at the end, he did it. It, it was like, he shot, he had to shoot over 50%. He, I mean, it was an amazing performance. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. So now going down to number six on the list, so I think... The slide of Jaden Fisher-Dane, a.k.a. JFD, to number six on this list is going to intrigue people. I mean, if you t- if I told you a year ago that JFD was going to be picked behind Beef Stew in the 2020 Senior League's draft, what would you have told me? So, for context, last year, JFD, as um, a kid in 22, was taken third overall, playing a year up, basically, and he had, like, limitless potential, and he still does because he is an elite shooter and an elite scorer who could score at a really high level. But last year, his team, you know, it was a rough situation because you had him and Jaden Levy, who were both kind of ball-dominant guards, and they didn't really have enough defense, so that team kind of just fizzled out. They were not one of the best teams in the league. But I think when you look at JFD to be the number one player on his team and getting more help because now there's clearly less elite players in the league, he's still going to take that number one role on. But I think, A, we know that he plays competitive basketball throughout the year and we can fully expect him to come back to camp better than he was the season before. But also the fact that now there's he's being picked three spots lower and there's less of a talent pool at the top of the league, it's pretty advantageous for him. Totally, and not having that pressure of needing 
team to feel like he's like this second coming. Like that's I think that's big for him to kind of like take a step and just play his game and bomb away. And that's a he's a great league player. Yeah, I, I think I mean I've had I've had to guard Jaden a lot, JFD, and he I mean he can shoot the ball off the catch off the dribble. He doesn't he, he can create his own shot and. I mean, he's a great player to have in leagues. He's one of those players where almost, like, even if he doesn't touch the ball in the possession, he's, like, still matters because, like, you're committing someone like you, Leo, who's, like, you're clearly the, your team's best defender, and all of a sudden you're guarding him from, like, way beyond the three-point line, and you've just taken yourself out of the play defensively. So even if he doesn't shoot the ball, he's making a huge contribution off the ball as well. And I feel like last year he, he hit some some insanely clutch shots against Echo Lade, against Brand Lake in those tournaments. And I, I think he's just a really clutch player. That's the thing with Leafs. Like, like when, when just that one player that can shoot and you know is going to always a threat from anywhere to hit shots, that's a huge factor for a team. And that's why having another kind of player who can score for himself on a team with JFD would be huge for him. Right, and that's like when I'm looking at this draft right now and I'm picking as a six team. I mean, obviously in this exercise, I'm picking as all the teams. But picking as a six team, you're thrilled to get JFD, who can be like a legit go-to scorer. And I think really they're probably, after JFD becomes a tier drop-off, in just the sense of a guy who can be like your go-to scorer, who you can just hand the ball to and he can make plays happen. So I think that leads us into number seven here, who is Justin Rubin. So Rubin's had an interesting trajectory at camp. He's always been a great athlete, obviously. And what's interesting last year is he was involved in that big trade with you, Leo, we're in as well. And he was essentially dumped on the worst team in the league last year, where he was expected to be the primary scoring option. And it was just a bad situation. But clearly, he's an elite shooter, and we know that he can just make plays, and he's a great leader as well. So what do you think of Ruben at number seven? Is that an overdraft on my end? Uh, I think Justin is actually really underrated on the basketball court. I think over the years, he's really improved his playmaking ability, be able to get in the lane and dish off to you know whoever else is on his team. He's also one of the... He's always been one of the best defenders in our age group, so I think he just he brings a lot to the table when you're talking about a late first-round pick. So you think fair, val- fair value at seven? Totally. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I love playing with Justin. He's like, uh, I remember uh, last year, and I mean, I always talk to my uncle, my uncle, D- uh, uncle Danny, Danny Silver. I always talk to him. I think he's the classic glue guy. He can do everything. He can rebound. He's a great undersized guy who can rebound. He, he can shoot the lights out of the ball, and and he, he can dribble the ball. I mean, he's an all-around player. And Leo, we've had like hit our history, and like um, I feel like there was one year where the three of us were on a league team together when we were the younger age, and then when uh, we were together when we had that big trade when we were fourteen maybe, and um, we like played Justin in the playoffs. He gave us all sorts of like fits, and luckily we were able to pull away. But like Justin knows when to show up, and his brother being a knockdown shooter has kind of warped everyone's perception of Justin. Justin is a much better player than he's giving credit for, and that's why I agree with Eli. He's totally become underrated over the years. Agreed, but I think what's interesting is, yes, he can be underrated by a lot of people, but by putting him here in the first round and making him the number one player on his own team, no longer is he underrated. Now he's really just expected to carry his team, and I think he's just the type of guy, like, when you hear about the teams after the draft happens, like, you're just happy 
that you're on his team. He's just the kind of guy you want to play with. So I think he is pretty fair value at seven, which brings me to number eight. So team eight has the eight, nine turnaround here in the snake draft. And I think that they get two players here. Frankly, this team eight looks like pretty solid because number eight here, I picked Miles Samuels. So I think Miles Samuels may be one of, if not the biggest wild card in this year's league because he's tall and Noodle, he'd be, what, close to your height probably, but he's much skinnier. But in general, he has the chance, like, if he can really get more physical, more muscular, like, he can be an elite player because of his ability to finish around the rim and his ability to grab rebounds and play make from inside. So he has a chance to be a really elite player in this league. And just by the fact that he's so tall, he is able to do a lot of things on the court that not many other players in the league can do. But his improvement this year is definitely going to be big in determining uh, what his ultimate value is in the league. Yeah, that said with him, he, um, like, in the, it's, it's a different kind of perception of real-world basketball compared to camp basketball, because for me, in the real world, I'm not three inches taller than everybody. Of course, yeah, and, right. And you have to kind of adjust your play style for a camp and know that I can, I'm bigger than everyone inside, so I should ideally take it inside. So, and Miles still kind of tries to play real-world basketball too much, where he's trying to do too much on the perimeter. It's a good point, yeah. The best look for him is just go over someone inside, and I want to see if he learns to take that big step forward, because if he does, he's going to be a really tough player to guard. I think he has an extremely high potential, and I, I, I'm i confident in him, and I, I trust him when playing on the same team with him, or totally. even watching his game. I mean, I trust him with the ball in his hand, and I think he can... I, I agree he's a wild card, but I think he can really... Uh, make this league extremely interesting. So Noodle... He had the big minutes for us in 15's night games last year, where even he wasn't doing too much, but he like came in, got some hustle balls, didn't turn it over, and played some important moments, got a couple layups, and that was big for them for sure. So Noodle, I think you bring up a really good point there, though, about real-world basketball versus camp basketball in terms of like height. Like I know I went to a couple of your JV games this year where like you were the one of the tallest people on our team, and then like every single player on the other team was taller than you. Yeah. So adjusting for that, I think playing real world versus camp basketball, where like all of a sudden you're like a center, like you're like the shack of leagues, where at yeah. home you're like like a guard almost or like a forward. Exactly. So and like even when I'm playing like against Evan or playing even against Potters like, to an extent, Eli, like the bigger kids you gotta remember kind of like how to do the out of camp stuff. Like it's a, it's a weird kind of transition. And then there's some games where like Justin Rubin is the tallest player on the other team. It's a really weird thing to go back and forth through. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. So then number nine, so this is on the same team as Miles. And as we go through the second round, I'm also not only going to be considering like pure player value, which I was in the first round, but also team fit and how players fit together. Because I think we saw in last year's draft, and frankly every year, sometimes the coaches, you can take best overall talent, but if the players don't fit together, like the way that JFD and Jaden Levy did not fit well last year because they're both such big ball handlers, that teams can't work. So we're also going to be taking into account team needs. So number nine was a pretty easy one for me, Jacob Greenberger. So Eli, obviously you're his cousin, but you also were his teammate last year in both Olympics and in leagues in the second half of the season. You were runners-up last year. So can you speak about his game and why he's a good pick here at number nine? I think it's pretty good value. Um, I think Jacob has definitely always been one of the most underrated players in our age group just because of how high of a motor he has on the basketball court. I mean, he's willing to chase the best player in the court around for however long the game is every single time. He's willing to dive on the ground, 
get any loose ball. He just he does it all. He makes open layups. He makes open shots when you need him to. And he's always guarding the other team's best player. It's just it's, he's a great guy to have on your team, especially with Miles Sandals. Exactly. He's not afraid of anyone, whether it's me, Glatz, or Leo, whoever it is. He's going to be up in your face and doing working his butt off to do anything he can to stop you. And now, last year, he started hitting open shots. He started being more aggressive to get into the paint, which is starting to make him a way more dangerous player than he kind of was earlier on in his career. And I actually think he's a really good think, fit. No, sorry, you go. My bad. I think that... Sorry, Maddie. Uh, I think that the only thing that he could work on is, um, is taking more shots because... I just don't. I think, I think he's confident in some situations, but I can. But I think that he's so underrated at on the offensive end, and I think he has a lot of skill that I know he can use in leagues and and all over the place. So I think he's that, that he's, he's also interest. He's yeah, also interesting to me though, because of his fit with a guy like Miles. Because when I look at the two of them together. If they both stand on the perimeter and, as you alluded to, Noodle, play like a home type of game for Miles where he's not really being physical inside and using his size, that team is going to be a lot less dangerous because where Jacob's value is to me is as a guy who on the defensive end in transition is just willing to scrap and hustle for it and just make all those dirty work plays. But then on the offensive side, if he could be the second offensive player on the team, that team is going to be really scary because he can hit those open shots and he's good for a couple ISO plays a game. But in general, you're not rely- if you're not going to have to rely on him to be the primary scorer, if Miles, or in this case, what I have here on the mock draft, if it is Miles who's his teammate and you can have Miles be the go-to scorer with Jacob as the secondary offensively, with Jacob taking over defensively, that's like a scary team. Yeah, and Miles is himself, so if he's driving him, he sees the defense class on him, and Jacob's open, he's going to give it to Jacob, and Jacob's going to knock down that shot. I like that I'm actually really liking that duo right now. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it works well. Alright, so number 10 here, this was a tough one for me. I debated this one a bunch, but I ultimately went with Jaden Levy here, mainly because... For just to pull the curtain back for a second, I felt like if I didn't put him at 10, I would have had to put him at 11, and JFD was already at 6, and I know those two, I just think that Jaden's a player who thrives when he has the ball in his hands, he's certainly a smaller player, but he's also a really electric shooter, and he can handle the ball well, and I think he's a better fit with Ruben than it might look on paper, just because Ruben is willing to play off the ball. And if Jaden can have the ball in his hands and just make things happen offensively, he's the type of guy you have to guard from the perimeter, and he can also beat you off the dribble. Yeah, and Jaden is also, like, the most annoying player to play against in the best way possible. Like, he's always kind of, like, looking for that extra steal. Trying to, like, he'll make crazy moves and just pull up into three in your face. It doesn't matter how tall you are. Like, he also just has so much confidence in his ability, no matter who he's playing against, and that's something I definitely respect in him. I feel like, I feel like Jaden was, uh, a couple years ago, I feel like he was the first player in our age group who, who started, like, whose game relied on the three ball so much. I, I remember vividly, uh, I was playing against him, I, I believe, in the finals in leagues, and, I mean, he, he probably took over 15 threes, and he shot a great percentage, and, and he... Uh, he almost led his team to victory, but I think if he can utilize the three ball with him and Ruben, if both of them can play off ball with one another, I think that that's a really good team. 
He's like your irrational confidence heat check kind of guy who like all of a sudden like for a half it's like you barely even notice he's there and then like all of a sudden your team's up by six and then like he hits three straight threes and now all of a sudden his team's in the league so in the lead of the game so the reason why I like this fit with him and Ruben is because Ruben can be your primary creator but he also can settle in really well as like a glue guy plus if Jaden is scoring at a high level so I think that if those two could have figured it out like how to play together essentially and play off one another I think that could be a really interesting duo it's a good one two punch for sure yeah two guys you need to worry about Alright, so number 11 here, I put Ethan Levine. I feel pretty good about this pick. I think this is appropriate value for him. I think last year he was a early third round pick, I want to say. And I think that he proved that when he's healthy, he's just, frankly, one of the best athletes in your bunk. And he's just the type of guy who can hit open shots, he can get to the rim, he'll finish layups, he'll be able to stick with people defensively. He's just the kind of, he's like a classic league second option who you want on your team. I think uh, Ethan's game draws a lot of similarities to Jaden Levy's game in a sense. They both shoot the three ball really well. They're small players, obviously. Uh, really quick, good handle. I think they also both have under are underrated on the defensive end. You know, much like Jaden, Ethan likes to do that thing where, you know, if guys get by him, he poke, he's poking it from behind. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Things like that, you know, he's, he's a really scrappy player, also a great series. And, and I think I think some people don't always recognize how good of a three-point shooter he is. Because I feel like um, he might be up by three or four and he hits a clutch three, and then they're back in and he's always on the defensive end, kind of like Jaden, kind of like you guys both said. He's like a, he's like a, just a pest all over the court. Yeah. Agreed. And so what do you guys think of his fit with JMT? Because I'll be honest, I was really tempted to move him back to 12 and pair him with Beef Stew. Because I just feel like his ability to shoot it from deep and create his own shot and be an offensive threat fits really well with Beef. But I just don't think it's that realistic if we're actually mocking out what's going to happen that he'll fall there. And I feel like with him and JFD, I think they're going to have to just be more unselfish with each other and figure out how to play off each other because there's so much offensive talent on that roster with the two of them together. But I don't know. What do you guys think of it? their fit together on a basketball court in leagues? I mean, Ethan, that'll help. JFD's good at, like, creating his own shot. But also, if Ethan's able to break down defense and get JFD and hopes that he doesn't have to work for it the entire possession, that's definitely something valuable for JFD. And what do you I think, think uh, we can, sorry, what do you think we can learn off of the JFD and Jaden Levy team from last uh, league season to be able to see, like, how do you guys approach playing a team like that with two creators? And how do you think they can play better to ultimately make a duo like that more effective? Uh, I think even though Ethan Ethan's game draws a, little, a lot of similarities to Jaden Levy's game, I think, in a sense, he may be a little bit more unselfish than Jaden. Agreed. Jaden definitely likes to shoot the ball a lot. As as Ethan does too, I feel like he really doesn't have a problem with he won't have a problem with dishing it off. 
whatever, you know, whatever he sees best for. Agreed, and that's why I felt more comfortable putting him at 11. So now number 12 here on our list is going to be Alex Newman as we start moving through these a little bit quicker. So Newman with beef. Newman's an interesting player. He knows how to play second fiddle and thrive in that role being on Glasser's team a season ago. He's just a catch-and-shoot kind of guy. He plays good defense. He's just kind of that role guy who's like a 3 and D player who you just is a really good complimentary piece. I think in the game against well, when he against Eli in the finals last year, I think I mean he played. He went off. Amazing for Glasses. He did, he did everything and everything that was expected in and his role and more. I mean I think he was a key part for that helped Glasser win it. And I think uh, this year he has he has a lot more to do. And I'm I mean he's a confident shooter. He can play defense, um, and yeah, he's a great league player. Yeah, and Newman Beef we thrilled there together. They're like they're live in the same town. They have their chemistry. They work out all the time together, so I'm sure they'd love that. Yeah, I think that would be a good pairing. So, Leo, now I'm going to ask you this question because we're back to your team um, in the mock draft here at number 13. So I put you here with Danny Knapp, and I was debating very hard between him and Hillman because I feel like in order for a team that has you on it to be able to effectively win against guys like Noodle and Eli, you're going to need a bigger presence, and I think that there's no one better at this point in the draft to provide that than Danny Knapp. But at the same time, Hillman's just a defensive maestro and a guy who you could run it with in transition. So as someone looking at it from your perspective, it being your team, if you're in that draft room, who are you taking right now? It's uh, a hard decision. I mean, uh, let's just go, op- go option one. So, if uh, I mean, Danny Knapp, I mean, he's really he's super athletic. He's a big presence in the paint. He might not stretch it out from three. But he's a great presence in the paint. He can play a lot of defense, and I mean, I'm, it's, I'd love to have him. Yeah, so that's what I thought. Just in terms of team roster fit, if I'm picking, and I already yeah, know I have yeah. you, that's just I feel like so you can match up better against guys like Noodle. So then that brings us to number 14. This was a pretty easy slot for me here. I put in Hillman here, and I think with him next to Avi, Hillman's just a great defender, and I think he fits well with Avi because Avi's such an elite scorer on the offensive end. To get a guy like Hillman who can play both ways and just fill in all those gaps if Avi's maybe having a cold day, he's just, like, consistent and just, like, a great player to have and great value at pick 14, I think. Yeah, and Hillman and Avi, that makes up a really good defensive team, and Hillman can handle the ball and can make smart plays, even if he's not a great scorer. So that helps Avi, again, a ton. That's a scary defensive team, the two of them. Agreed. So, number 15 here, I put uh, Grant Panzer, GP, here. This is actually your team, Noodle. And I put him here because I think he's just a great shooter. Obviously, you guys live here in the same town. And I think he's just like, he's the kind of guy who I remember in the first game of last year's league season. I was on Glass's team last year. He just went ballistic in the second half, and and they upset Glatzer because of his shooting. He's just like one of those guys who could go off. He's really unselfish. He's not going to be one of the people. Like, he's not going to be like a Jaden Levy or Ethan Levine where he's going to need a lot of shots per se, but he kind of knows his role and he's able to play it really effectively. Yeah, I'd be his hype to have Grant. I've had, I've been playing with Grant my entire life. That'd be awesome. Um, 
he can handle, he can shoot. I mean, he's not a complete liability on defense, like, but he's a knockdown shooter when he's hot, and that is something I would love to have. Someone that can, like, just take the load off of me for a little and just get hot and keep making shots for a couple possessions. That's awesome. And he can kind of, he can create for himself. And then, number 16 here, so this is back to you, Eli. We're now going back to 16 and 17. So what I put here for you, Eli, is I put Xavier Jules. He's just the kind of guy who's just like an electric athlete. He can just run all over the court and make plays for you. So what do you think about his fit next to you, where he could be the kind of guy like streaking in transition, but he's not always the strongest defender? Well, in a lot of ways, for me as someone who's making this mock draft, it's like easier for me to pair him with you because you're a bigger player yourself. Like you don't need like the way that Leo kind of needed Danny to be that second player, not needing to ha- for me to pick you a big man because you can kind of be inside and he can take some of that ball handling pressure off of you. Because when you're playing the entire game and getting like maybe box and one or just like a the defense is just watching you the entire game. I think it helps to get some uh, pressure off of you with 16. And then 17, I gave you Braden Berwin. He's just one of those guys. He's not going to be the best player on your team, and he's not going to always score the most points, but he's just the type of person. Maybe you don't notice him for the entire game, but he makes two or three big shots a game. He plays solid defense. I feel like for a team like you where you have – a guy like you, Eli, who's clearly the best player in the league. A guy like Zay, who's going to be just fast in transition. You kind of just need that third glue guy to kind of hold things together. And I think Braden fits that bill. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Braden's on my team for half the season last year. I think he was for mid-season. But, um, you know, he definitely, he's definitely one of the, he'll be one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He's able to knock it down from ever, you know, never on the It'll be nice to have him to kick out. I feel like, I feel like what's so important in the is like, it's free throws, and and like it's so underrated. Like if you miss a free throw, or whatever, it's a free throw. But like some of these games in the playoffs are so close, and a couple free throws can just close the gap or open up the gap and I think Graham Brown he's an amazing shooter and I think he can he's a great person to have with Eli too so now let's go rapid fire through the rest of this third round here 18 I put Zaz here I think he's just a guy uh Eli I know you probably have experience playing with him when you're playing in intercamp type games again just a solid glue guy to have with you noodle who can kind of handle the ball he can score a few points in transition just a good guy to have on your roster yeah I mean honestly uh, like I've seen him play he doesn't make a lot of mistakes so but honestly I've, I've never played with him so I'm sure Eli would know more than I do um you know from from playing with him I definitely think that you know over the past couple summers he's definitely taken a lot of steps forward in terms of being able to put the ball in the basket and like being more of uh, you know a number one option on the league's teams his age and stuff but 
he definitely shoots the three ball well. He can handle it. He's, he's a pretty good defender. You know, he'll make open shots for you. So, yeah, great, great to have on Noodles. Yeah, and that's what I was kind of looking for for you, Noodle, because as you said, like, when you're playing against a lot of these teams, some of the teams I put down here, like, on Ruben's team, like, I think Ruben's going to be the tallest player on his entire team. So if they have to, like, collapse three people on you, Noodle, having guys like GP and Zaz to kick it out to, I think that's, for you at least, I wanted to get good shooters on your team to kind of make the fit better. Yeah, and, you, and even just the other thing that kind of gets overlooked, like, having those shooters is awesome because in leagues, in, in, this is even different than intercamp and obviously in drill world, like, you don't face, like, boxing ones as much in a real world, or especially not in intercamps, and, or even double or triple teams. Like, that's just not something you face. So having guys that can make open shots is so huge. It's huge. Agreed. So then at number 19, who I put down, I put down Ben Summer. He was a really good player for us. He was probably our best player on uh, Blackfeet B last year. He's just a big player who, like, you don't think he's going to be good. Like, you see him, you're matching up against him, you're like, all right, like, just like an average leagues player. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, two offensive rebounds and three layups later, you're like, oh, like, he's actually pretty good. So I think for Avi's team, when you have Avi and Hillman and you might not have, like, a guy to play inside, he's just, like, the perfect third round, kind of almost a steal for what they need at that position, which is just yeah. size and competence at the big man position. I remember playing with Ben um, uh, not, not long ago, and he, should, he, he makes layups, he rebounds, he's a huge presence in the paint. And, I mean, I feel like whatever team he's on, he's going to have, it's going to be a good time. Totally. Always positive. Like, always annoying when I'm playing against him. He's definitely always a positive player, for sure. Agree. And then, number 20, I put Dylan Siegel. Again, just a guy who's really a three-point shooter. Um, I mean, on defensively, he's definitely not going to be your strongest player, per se. But I think when you're looking at the 20th overall pick, for a team like you, Leo, the reason why I put him here is because out of the rest of the pool, he's clearly the best shooter that's remaining. And when you have you and Danny Knapp, you need a guy who you can kick it out to when the, you're drawing in the defense. So I just put him there because I think your team probably needs some shooting for you to be most effective. Yeah, I mean, as we as we get it later into the draft, it's, it's important to have shooters on your team. And I think, I think it's a good fit. I mean, I think... Well, if you can find a shooter, I think you got to take him. Agreed. Especially at this point in the draft. So then, this one was interesting to me. For um, this team at 21, Beef's team, I put uh, Sammy Zarrett. I think he's a guy who is just, like, physically dominant. Now, he's not always going to make every shot. He's definitely not the best offensive player. But he just takes up a lot of space inside, and he's kind of hard to drive on. So I just think he's, like, a great player to get in this third round in terms of just his physical abilities. Yeah, I can definitely talk about him. He he always guards me. It doesn't matter who's on his team. He always he has confidence in no matter what he does. Calls me out immediately. He's sitting right guard you, but he always does a great job. He gets low, is physical, and always does a great job. He's a sick defender, and he'll body you for rebounds. He is tough. He doesn't care. He's not afraid. He's going to go hard. He's one of those people who has like little regard for his own body when he's playing sports. Totally, yeah. <laughs> I love that comment. <laughs> so then we go to number twenty-two. Now we're really getting like deep into this third round. Uh, real role players. We go with Schreier. He's just a guy for JFD and Levine's team where I think you just need someone who can kind of play inside and be a little bit more of a physical presence. And at this point of the draft, he's the best you're going to do in that area. 
I think they would really love to have. I I love this pick, Maddie. Actually, I mean it's it's baseline jumper Evan Schreier. I love it. I feel like I feel like he's a great stretch four. He can play inside. I mean, he might be oversized, but I feel like he might be he might be undersized. Sorry, he's undersized. Yeah, he does. But if I'm sitting here and I'm Team Six with JFD and Ethan Levine, like I'm really hoping that either Ben Summer or Sammy Zarrett is able to actually drop down to me. And if it doesn't happen, I think Schreier has to be the backup plan because, as you said, he is definitely the epitome of the baseline jumper player. And I think he can also provide. And on this team, if he's faced a match with two guards on his team, he's going to also need to play a bigger role defensively. 23 here, Misha Kasher. Again, just a really good athlete, kind of on the smaller side for sure, but just kind of a quick twitch guy and athletically pretty good value, I think, at the back end of the third round. Yeah, he's a pretty good athlete. Has some fit, tough physical size down low for Jaden and Ruben. He's not going to drop 20, but if you look at that little points, he's always going to be physical and be tough, which is something that often gets overlooked in um, in leagues. Like a Jonas Statue type of player. Kind yeah. Of, like physical, aggressive. You know, it's always a good thing to have on your team. Yeah, and rounding out our mock draft here at 24, the final pick of the third round, A.J. Wilk. I think he's just, again, maybe not the most skilled basketball player, but just a great athlete who can really just contribute to a team just by being able to push it in transition and play some solid defense on the perimeter. It is a great guy to have on your team. I mean, from a, from a character aspect and a basketball aspect, uh, aspect uh, it is just a great kid to have. You know, you can, can shoot the three, so hard to go harder for you. And, uh, you know, he'll crack jokes on the sideline when you need him to. It's comeback season, dude. AJ is always that kid who just, uh, you, you're bringing the ball up the court, you pass it to AJ, and from three feet behind the line, he just hits a three, and and he's celebrating, walking down, walking down the walking down the side, celebrating. Agreed. He's a great guy. So I think that rounds out our mock draft. So before we go, I will ask each of you a final question. Aside from your own team. Based on the mock draft we've compiled, which team are you picking, aside from your own, to win the title this year? Aside from my own, man. Yes. I got one. Who? I think uh, Jacob, uh, well, obviously I'm a little biased, but I think Jacob and Miles' team. I love that team. I think that might be one of my favorite teams, because at 8-9, it can be tough to find, like, two players who really fit together, but I, I love that team, too. Yeah, they have great size, great on the defensive end, probably the best defensive team in the league, and definitely no liabilities on offense. I mean, Jacob and Miles maybe aren't completely known for their offense, but they could definitely both put the ball in the basket. I gotta say, I, gotta say I really like Avi's team. Yeah, that's a really good one. And Ben, I really like it. I mean, they have size. Uh, they, I mean, Avi's going to have to do a lot on the offensive end because um, because uh, I think Helmet is more used, uh, better used on the defensive end, usually guarding the best player. And then to man the middle, I think, I think it's a great-looking team. Well, to me, that team has a huge amount of potential. I don't think it's as much of a sure thing as a lot of the other teams, but to me at least... When you look at a team that has Hillman and Ben Summer, they're just really solid guys who know their roles. And Avi's going to be trusted to carry the offense. And if he can reach the potential we talked on way early in the podcast and his ability to score, that team could be filthy. 
Totally, and I, I like I, I think the first four teams. I think the aspect of star power can't be overlooked. Having a guy that'll get you twenty five points no matter what. Hundred percent is so valuable, and that, that's why I love Eli and Avi, and even Leo. If Leo's not getting you twenty five, you get energized playing with Leo and having a sick defensive team. I'm interested to see how that worked out. Like if you if you had that team, theoretically they could be really good defensively and be able to slow down those elite scores. You know. Agreed, for sure. So I think we did a pretty good job here, covered all our bases for Senior Leagues 2020. Uh, We'll have a lot more preview coverage coming up over the next uh, weeks and months as we all sit here. We hope everyone out there is healthy and doing good. And last thing here before we go, Noodle, I know you have one more thing that you wanted to plug here. Alright, so Jake, Max, and Dan Dan want everyone to submit for the online Baco Town Show on the Instagram you get crazy prizes. Check out the post on Instagram if you haven't seen it. People have already started submitting, and you can win some senior staff gear. Thanks to you guys so much for doing this podcast with me. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. All right. And thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Bay Coast Sports Report. Make sure to check our feed later this week. We'll be updating it with many more great podcasts. And as for this one, I am your host, Maddie Wasserman, saying so long, and we will see you next time on the Bay Coast Sports Report.